The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. I I hate to do this on a Monday morning, but... You want to hear a guy about... You want to hear about somebody's problems? I mean, somebody who has real problems. I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, just a plain old hard luck down on his luck. I mean, it's almost grapes of wrath kind of trouble. I'm not I mean, we're not talking about a, you know, stub toe or, you know, misflight or an eviction or death in the family. It's worse than that. It's worse than a death in the family. It is. All right, here, I'm just gonna let you have it. Everything that has gone wrong, everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. Everything, everything. Now, that's, uh, that's a quote, but actually he said it more like this. Uh, every, everything that could go wrong uh, has gone wrong. Yeah. George Soros, man, I feel bad for him. For some unknowable reason, um, people don't trust George Soros, and he's just figured this out, according to the Washington Post. He is, um, you know, all he's trying to do is just dominate the geopolitical landscape of the Western world and, you know, reign tyrannically uh, over the political systems by initiating a uh, array of, of dark, often underhanded methods like astroturfing and paid protesters and media rigging. I mean, I feel bad. I really, really do. But the ship is sailed, and you better be on the boat or not on the boat. Uh, yeah, not on the boat, George. Not on the boat. Apparently, a lot of people in the world are not on the boat. It's weird. Throughout the Western world, despite Soros's nauseatingly multi-monetary uh, contributions to the causes against the free world, a right-leaning sentiment has been spreading. Um, they don't want his global world. It's weird. Apparently, he said, telling the Washington Post, I was living in my own bubble. No, you in a bubble? Come on. George, don't say that about yourself. No, you're living in a bubble? What? All fat, old white men that look like you? Marry beautiful young women. It's not. It, no, that happens all the time. It's not your money. It's nothing like that. Oh, man, you're, you're lofty, utopian, community first, you know, the gilded betterment of all mankind and, and the harmony and the little birds and, you know, world domination and all of that stuff. Oh, he says it's gone. Just like that. His greatest fear. Things that keeps him up at night. I'm, I'm very afraid that uh, Donald Trump will uh, destroy whole world. Oh, man. Stu, after a statement like that, is it not Red Hat Day for me? I mean, it, it, George Soros, my biggest problem is Donald Trump may destroy whole world. It's hard not to break out the red hat for that one. (laughs) Why won't we just let him destroy the Western civilization? I mean, seriously, come on, he's old. Let's just destroy Western civilization for him. I feel bad. Poor old Soros slumped into his golden throne, you know, 
in his mansion, like a like a villain's headquarters. I've got sharks underneath floor of dining room. I bet you do. It's wonderful. And you're sobbing there in the wad of $1,000 bills. Each one no longer good. I mean, it was a good idea. I, I liked it to have your face there on the on the on the front of the thousand dollar bill george but ah, you know what it is quoting the washington post i think maybe i was just a little bit early that's it that well you're right you and just early you were 20 years ahead of your time it's monday june 11th this is the glenn beck program Maybe a just little bit early or late. May have been like 78, 79 years late. I'm just saying. Welcome to the program. Hello, Stu. How are you? Pretty well. How about yourself? Oh, my. Oh, my, mm. my gosh. Did you see anything this weekend? Did you see any movies or anything? No. No. No, well, you don't not. really do that. Yeah, I do. I'm a movie pass, a proud movie pass subscriber. You're not. You're a rookie. I'm costing them lots and lots of money. Yeah. As, uh, unfortunately, I'm not alone in that. So I'm in that really, I, I'm really bummed. I, you know, we were, I, I couldn't go to any movies. We were uh, finishing the uh, the book uh, this weekend, uh, and I think you're going to really like it. It's called um, uh, <laughs> uh, "Addicted to Outrage." I haven't seen the cover yet, so, uh, but it's "Addicted to Outrage," and uh, I think you're really going to like it. It's going to come out in the fall. Um, so I didn't get a chance to go see, you know, I wanted to see Ocean's 8, and I really wanted to see Jurassic Park, but I hear that thing is a nightmare. I am not interested in seeing Jurassic no, Park. The last one I thought was, we went to see it together, I think, didn't we? I don't remember. Me, you, and Pat, and I don't know. Maybe, I, uh, maybe I, we dragged kind of liked it. I kind of liked it. I mean, it's fun. It's a popcorn movie. Yeah. This <laughs> one apparently is, is just nothing but social justice stuff. To the point where you're like, can can one of the, the dinosaurs just eat that guy? Can somebody, would a dinosaur please come and eat Jeff Goldblum? And I mean in real life. Don't you think? <laughs> real life. Yeah. We, just, we could have a pterodactyl just swoop down. Rah! I can't wait no, for the would. headlines of Glenn, Glenn Beck, Beck <laughs> encourages dinosaurs to come eat Jeff Goldblum. I think anything Jeff Goldblum is in is going to wind up being that way, right? Yeah, Isn't that kind is. of his yeah, shtick? Yeah. yeah. Uh, That's why there's times, even in, you know, even in like uh, Independence Day, I was hoping, ah! <laughs> this isn't even part of the this film. Why is this I'm happening? praying for a pterodactyl to uh-huh. swoop down and, and take him off in his beak. Uh, no, I did not. Uh, I did not. The Ocean's Eight one is weird too. It was a, a female cast, right? I guess that makes. Oh my god! That makes You're kidding me. That's oof. I guess that makes sense. What is wrong with that? What is wrong with that, Stu? Well, first of all, I didn't. I said. I said. Believe I said. You it's said a it female cast. Was no, the word. you said it was weird. It was weird. Something. Something weird too. It's a. First of all, it's a female cast. It is weird, right? It's a. <laughs> it's a. Like it's a. You know, someone pointed out that it would be great if it would have been a great movie if it was just its own movie. Why does it have anything to do with the Oceans series? Because <laughs> she's the she's, her brother is Danny Ocean. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you don't follow these things. 
was 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 this previously disclosed no no it's just like they're just like ah hey we've got a bunch it's like the ghostbusters thing right which was i thought also weird because it was a female cast period um and that like you're just like you're you're just like hey we got this thing sitting or this oceans thing got rights to it should we do something with it yeah throw it we got any women throw them all in there have them do the same movie now a lot of people will say uh glenn there's a lot of things going on in the world there and there are there are and um you know let's let's get right to trade shall we the g uh, the g8 summit sure uh there was uh there was a real dust up and in fact let's uh, go to uh, larry kudlow and uh, what he said it happened between justin trudeau and uh the president of the united states one he's not going to allow other people to suddenly take pot shots at him hours before that uh, summit and 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 number two uh, Trudeau should have known better. Right. But Trudeau, why, why pick a public Trudeau with betrayed. a friend to impress an enemy? Okay, stop for a second. Stop for a second. Can we? I just, I just want to hear from Justin Trudeau. Here, here is Justin Trudeau and uh, what he said. Do you have? Do you have it, Sarah? I have consistently stood up for Canadian interests, consistently oh. uh, demonstrated uh, where we disagree, but done so in a. Uh, polite and cordial context i think that's hold on just a second for the audience can you just pause for a second for the audience uh who happens to be watching the show uh the big controversy is is that justin trudeau i mean i i want to talk about trade do i want to talk about trade Stu, do you want to talk about trade? oh i love talking sure we want to talk about trade justin i uh, justin trudeau's eyebrow appears to be falling off (laughs) Now, I'm not saying that it is, but I'm, you know, not, I'm not saying that it's not saying it. I'm not not saying it. That's de- definitely this is what you got out of the G7. This is really the only part I really cared about. <laughs> the eyebrow, <falling laughs> the eyebrow off, falling which off. It, yeah. Apparently, he's got basically a two tone eyebrow. Oh, does he? Oh, I mean, they showed many other pictures mm-hmm. of his eye in which the bottom seems a lot darker. Like than that the top. can't be like that can't be doctored and faked. It could be. You're right, I mean, that Alex could be Jones. A, you're correct. Could, it could, could be, be a doctor. And- I'm not saying it is, but I'm not not saying it either. Look, man, I'm a doctor. I know eyebrows. Okay, doctors. I'm no. a do- I'm a doctor. You're an eyebrow doctor. I'm a doctor or- of humanities, which means I cover everything. Okay, that's not what it means. I'm pretty sure it is. So, I, as a as a doctor, as a surgeon, mm-hmm. if you will, I'm looking at that eyebrow, thinking, no, he's glued those on. No matter what kind of evidence comes out, I'm just saying, as a surgeon, are you a surgeon? No. Washington Post, are you surgeons? Are you a doctor? No. I'm a doctor of humanities. I'm telling you, I've looked at a lot of human, human, humanity, humans' eyebrows, mm-hmm. and uh, that one, there's trouble. Now, I don't know if it's because he's an alien race. <laughs> Could be. Could be. Well, if it is, then you're not an expert. You're not an expert in that's why I say humanities. C- right. That's why I say could be. I don't know. Well, if it could be, then you're not actually identifying I'm the problem. just saying that if he is a human, which I'm not saying he's not, but I'm not not saying it either. But who are we going to ask? You're the one who's saying you're an expert on humanities. Right. So you're the one who I'm should be able to identify to, I, whether. Look, I don't want to go out on a limb and speak where I am not an expert. Okay. I am not an expert on alien life. And so if Justin Trudeau is, in fact, an alien, which could be, okay, I am not the guy to come to. I don't know who that is, but you need a doctor of alien life. I'm a doctor of humanities, so I can speak to him as if he's human. 
Okay, and but you can't tell, even though you have a doctorate in this topic. Examination. It would be it would be wrong of me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be it would be shameful. I've taken an oath. So you can you can identify his eyebrow problem without a without a yes, but I can't examination. Tell I can't tell if he's human. Hmm. I mean, he has several human traits, but I can't definitively declare without an examination. You anyway, we don't want to talk about the trade deficit. At all. We, the fact that we have a trade surplus with Canada. Do we, we do not have a trade deficit with Canada at all. They also have lower tariffs than we do overall. No, I, I, you don't want to talk about any of that stuff. You want to talk about I'm his a eyebrows. doctor, man. I, I mean, I'm very seriously concerned about his eyebrows. I mean, what condition, what kind of, it could be mental illness mm-hmm. that causes you to tape eyebrows, you know, could be. You don't, want, be. you don't want to talk about North Korea that's going on, right? You know, the, the first face-to-face meeting, it's going to be one-on-one with just translators there, which isn't actually well, one-on-one. That's more like two-on-two, two on two, but yeah. still, that's yeah. going to be the first meeting. That's how they're going to be discussing this. You don't want to talk about that. You want to talk about his eyebrows or? Well, I mean, look. I mean, he started with movies. We talked about Donald Trump's hair for a while. Why don't we? I mean, you don't think that it's... I mean, I don't know. Okay, that's... look at that. Honestly, look at the eyebrow. I want you, if you're at home and you haven't seen the eyebrow shot, just just take a look at the video. Watch, play the rest of the video for those who are watching here, Sarah. Just take, taste is taken and, and play the rest if we can. We're going to do. Wow, see, that see? last part. I have part. consistently stood up for Canadian this. interests, consistently it's falling uh, demonstrated off. Uh, where we disagree, but done so in a... Uh, polite and cordial context i think that's what canadians have always expected of me and that's exactly what we're going to do notice the way he said cordial too he he may be he may be alien he may be like he's not familiar with the word cordial so he just is pronouncing it just said it differently cordial it just he's just said it differently and you notice that as a doctor of humanities is speech not a part of the human experience we don't even know if he's human according to you no, that's what I'm saying, but I'm not not saying it either. Anyway, we could go through with the fact that when we have a trade deficit is when our economy is doing well, and when we have a trade surplus with the world, we are in recession. We could go through that. I don't understand that. I don't, that doesn't make sense to me. What, 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 what do you mean by that? I mean that people complain about the trade deficit, but when we're yeah. in when we're in trade surplus uh-huh. that only is occurring when we're in deep recession well, so it's not something we necessarily want to strive for okay all right you're smarter you're smarter than everybody else okay so go ahead and tell me why that's why that sells too because well, i mean because it means that we have more desire for other people's goods than they have for ours right so if we have lots of stuff like for example do you have more desire to go out and buy things when you have lots of money in your bank account the answer to that of course is yes and works the other way as well we're having tough times. It reverses. We actually a trade deficit if for the past forty years has been a sign of real, really encouraging economic signs, not not negative ones. But uh, you want to talk about it? Well, no, I just I know I'm just looking at your eyebrows now. I mean, your eyebrows. My eyebrows seem fine. Mm. I wouldn't say they're. Are you a doctor? I'm not a doctor. Well, I am. Okay. So let me let me do, let me do the eyebrow talk here. I think. Why don't you make an appointment? Come in and see me around 2 o'clock this afternoon. I'll squeeze you in. I'm going to do everything I can to avoid that. The FBI has issued an urgent request to reboot your your home or your office internet router right now. I just don't think that is. I mean, really? That's what we have? I mean, that's your advice? It looks like 
you know, thousands of routers have already been compromised. It's malware, malware called the uh, VPN filter, and it's collecting information passing through your router. And so the FBI solution is, I don't know, have you unplugged it? Have you turned it on and off? That, that's your solution? Could I have a gun? May I just say, go ahead, turn it on and off, because that's what they... But with all the things that are going on in the world, um, I'm not going to just take that one and just say... Oh, yeah, turn it on and off. That's a good idea. I'm going to go with LifeLock. LifeLock Identity Theft Protection now has the power of Norton Security for added protection. LifeLock uses proprietary technology to help protect against identity theft, like your, you know, the information for sale on the dark web, your information. Norton helps protect against the online threats like ransomware. So if you have a problem on either one of those areas, they have the experts that are going to fix it. Now, nobody can stop all cyber threat or prevent all identity theft, but now with LifeLock with Norton Security, they can uncover the threats that you might otherwise miss. And now you can join for the first year and get an additional 10% off the low price starting at $7.99, $7.99 a month plus sales tax. Look, I'm a doctor. Are you a doctor? Because I'm a doctor. All right. And I'm just telling you one out of one doctors recommend that you go to lifelock.com right now and order the uh, the lifelock service for 7.99 a month lifelock.com promo code back that's lifelock.com promo code back looking for a great father's day present then bring the whole family to the rights and responsibilities exhibition presented by the mercury museum take a glimpse of what the world was like before men had rights and tyrants rule Join us Father's Day weekend, June 15th through the 17th, here at Mercury Studios in Dallas. Get your tickets at mercuryone.org slash museum 2018. All right. Welcome back to the program. It is Monday. We should get serious about some things, so can we be serious for a minute? Sure. Okay. I think that's important. news day and I a lot know. of things are going on. I know I have been joking around a lot, but talked about just, movies and eyebrows so far. Well, but it'd be nice. To, I, I would like to. I would like to get serious on one thing. Okay, come on, look at the eyebrow <laughs> that is falling off. It's falling off. Don't you think? Seriously, don't you think? I think this is what America needs right now. Is I it? think we need to blow off some steam and make fun of a politician from another country that we don't really care about. I don't care about him at all. At all. At all. But you seem I don't to care be about his policies. I don't care about anything about him. You seem to care about his eyebrows. I do. I do care about his eyebrows. So it's not at all. You don't care well, about him at all. Well, I mean, all. the eyebrows are a pretty low item. Well, until they start falling off, then they're then they go kind of then they're like boom right up at the top. Then you're like then you can't listen to him anymore because then you're like then once you focus on the eyebrows, you're like it does. It looks like it's falling off. Come on, that's fake. There's a low priority item just happens to be your singular focus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think yes. I think I'm going to go with yes on it. Well, also that and George Soros. George Soros being depressed. Very sad. Very, very sad. We're all broken up no, about I, it. Mm-hmm. No, he's depressed because his plans have been thwarted. Spooky dude's plans thwarted. Yeah, I, he, he pulled out of a, what was it, a San Diego district attorney race he dumped a bunch of money into? 
Couldn't win that one either. Might have been too early for takeover of world. <laughs> I don't know. He's already, what, in his 80s? Yeah. I don't know how early that is. Yeah. Well. Exactly sprinting to the finish line. Right. Right. Well, if it's downhill, you can roll to it. <laughs> but, but I mean, I, I'm just saying, between the eyebrows and George Soros. Okay, we'll go another way. We'll go another way. We'll talk about your actual news. That's what you want out of life. Do that next. All right, we go to um, Michael Malice. He is the author of the book, Dear Reader, the unauthorized biography of Kim Jong-il from michaelmalice.com. Michael, how are you, sir? Good morning, Glenn. Great to be here. So so the president is now with the North Korean leader. They're going to meet this week. Um, What are your thoughts going into this? Uh, I mean, it's just so exciting, frankly. This is something that is almost surreal. Uh, so many elements of this are things no one could have predicted just a couple of years ago. I mean, if, if four years ago you said that President Trump would be meeting with Kim Jong-un in Singapore, the question would be, who's Kim Jong-un, <laughs> you know, and, right. and President Trump. So the fact that these things are happening so quickly is giving me an enormous amount of hope uh, that good things will come out of this summit. And I'm also very saddened by how many people are already, you know, just basically dismissing the opportunities here just because they have such uh, contempt for the president. So, Michael, what do you expect? Well, first, let me start here. Kim Jong-un, before he left, he made sure that nobody there was going to take his position. Can you give us a little uh, little recap uh, on what happened before he left? What, what what does a guy like this have to do to make sure that somebody else doesn't oh, take sure. his country? Oh, that's very... Well, the first thing you have to do is murder your brother. Uh, because North Korea has a constitution for display purposes only, just like many of the communist countries did. And they all you know, pr- recognize freedom of speech and freedom of religion and all that Bill of Rights stuff. And of course, it's a complete sham. But North Korea is, is unique because they have something called, and this is how demonic, and I'm using that word very carefully, this is how demonic this country is. They have something called the Ten Commandments of the great leader Kim Il-sung. Kim Il-sung is Kim Jong-un's grandfather. He was the founder of North Korea. And the Tenth Commandment states that thou shalt continue the, genera- the revolution through the generations until it is completed. And what that means is only a direct blood descendant of the great leader can take that leadership position. There's no Mike Pence there. And in fact, you know, many decades ago, when someone even asked, someone high up in the party leadership asked, well, what are we going to do when Kim Il-sung dies? To even talk about that, he was, you know, uh, sentenced to the countryside and lost his job. So there's no plan in place for if something happens to him. Uh, The only plan would have been, you know, if he had something, had a heart attack or something, uh, Kim Jong-nam, possibly his elder brother, could have been flown in to take his place, but now there's no one there. So this would be an unprecedented situation. So the idea that there would be some coup and, you know, again, like a vice president would step in, that could not happen. Um, So so what is he, what is his game? Do you think that we have we have broken him to some degree or is he playing us? What, what is your best guess? Well, I don't know if it's either of those. I, I think it's, it's hard to determine what it is that he wants at the very least. It's very clear that he wants more respect on the world stage. 
Uh, he's much more of an internationalist than his father, uh, Kim Jong-il, the dear leader, and his grandfather, certainly. Um, the fact is that he's meeting with us and with South Korea, uh, China, and, uh, and Russian uh, dignitaries. Uh, this is a big break with North Korean past. According to North Korean ideology, the Juche idea, they basically don't want to have to do, deal with anyone else in the outside world. It's all by Koreans and for Koreans. And when you're there, it, it's, it's a very surreal feeling. It's like being in another planet because you don't know what's going on in the outside world. Um, but this, again, this is a change for him to have even left North Korea is a very big deal. Uh, Kim Jong-il would boast. Why do I have to leave Pyongyang? All these world leaders come here and basically genuflect before me. So this could be going in several directions, uh, and I'm desperately hoping that there will be positive ones. Talking to Michael Malice. Uh, Michael, the, the, there was a focus this morning I, I heard uh, a lot of, which was about the supposed change in language, where we at the beginning of this were saying what we want is them to give up their entire nuclear program uh, and then we'll talk about making things a little bit better for them. And it's changed to now the denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula and giving the sense that perhaps we're going to back off of our defense of South Korea as part of this. Do you think there's anything, is there any importance to that? Is that just, you know, uh, generally speaking, trying to make it the language more friendly for the North Koreans? Well, I think it's very important to, if we make concessions for both sides to be able to save face and not to make it seem like we're backing down to a show of strength. North Korea can't do that, and President Trump certainly is not the kind of person who would do that. So I, I had said this earlier, if, if their price for denuclearizing would be to get us out of South Korea, I don't think that's an unreasonable request, at the very least, because if they're, you know, giving up their guns, they need some assurance that as soon as they do this, it's not a trick and we're going to come storming in. Uh, from their perspective, uh, as the title of one of their books is called, The U.S. Imperialists Started the Korean War, and we're waiting any moment to reinvade and, and conquer them and make Korea our beach quest for world conquest. This is the Korean idea, North Korean ideology. Um, so, again, it, I mean, a lot of people like to think, oh, President Trump's going to make a show of strength and they're going to completely back down and we're not going to have to do anything in exchange. That's not how negotiations work. That's basically how threats work. And my hope, and it seems that the way this is, way President Trump is going, is that we will have some sort of peaceful negotiation rather than, you know, all this bluster. And I, I just want to remind the listeners again, last summer they were threatening to new Guam and in the fall they sentenced President Trump to death. So this has been a very positive progress in the direction we would like. So we're talking to Michael Malice. He's the author of Dear Reader, the unauthorized biography of uh, Kim Jong-il. Um, Michael, um, do you think we would give up? I mean, it does fit Donald Trump's, you know, uh, philosophy from years ago where, you know, it's time to bring Americans home. Why are we paying for all this? Why are we defending all these places? Do you think Donald Trump uh, would give up our position in in South Korea? Oh, I, 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 this absolutely. I think it's on the table. I don't think it's that. Again, South Korea is a very wealthy country. At one point, and I'm not sure if it's still the case. Very recently, they had the highest GDP in all of Asia, which is no mean feat. And there's a lot of. In, in South Korean politics, a lot of uh, contempt and hatred. Why are the Americans still here? So I don't think it would be that much of a hard 
sell. Uh, I think this would be something that many people, particularly in the Republican Party and in his base, would be happy to see. Um, and it would be a very, again, if they're giving up nukes and, and we're, we're bringing the boys home and switching defense to uh, the South Korean government in Seoul, uh, I don't think it would be that radical of a move on Trump's part, as you I said, Glenn, great. given how much he's been talking about these, these issues in, this, in these terms. I, I I mean, I don't know what kind of a power vacuum uh, that uh, that causes, but uh, I'm all for bringing, you know, to stop defending these posts all around the world. As long as we have an ability to deploy if we need to, uh, if there's problems, you know, with somebody coming after us. Yeah, and, and I don't think, I'm dis, I mean, China is obviously not our best friends, mm-hmm. but the idea that China is going to allow, this is Mao's China, the idea that they would allow some sort of real war on the Korean Peninsula right on their border, I think at, at this point in time, this is not the 1940s, 1950s, I think there'd be a, that would really, they'd really clamp down on it pretty quickly. Because it's, it's interesting because you, you point out the, the deepness of, of the, in the ideology that South Korea is not South Korea, right? South Korea is theirs. They own it, according to the North, well, North Koreans, right? It's Korea. Well, that, that's a little bit imprecise. So when, whenever I write about it and in my book, and this is, was very funny for me to see, they always refer to North and South Korea with a lowercase n and a lowercase s because mm-hmm. their claim is, and again, North Korea is the most racist, homogenous nation on Earth. Korea is the only country on Earth that has r- racially pure blood. Korea was the first government mm-hmm. on Earth the first language spoken, and Korea is indivisible. Their slogan, wherever you go in North Korea, says Korea is one, and all the maps have a unified Korea. Therefore, South Korea is not a separate country. It is a separate region under occupation by the U.S. imperialists and the South Korean puppet fascist regime. They've kind of backed down with the name-calling vis-a-vis South Korea, but that is their mentality that this is a country that cannot be denied, divided and is only temporarily separated uh, due to our machinations. But I guess that's my point, is that once we're not there, and it's no longer under, under occupation of the evil, imperious uh, Americans, I mean, yeah. it, aren't they going to be, isn't their goal going to be to undermine the South Korean government in any way possible and try to make what they've been putting on their maps a reality? Um, I, I, it, that doesn't seem to be the way that they're going. Uh, it, it, this this was South Korea only in the let's say in the 80s became this kind of quasi liberal democracy. Before that, they did have a series of strongmen, and they had you know uprisings just like in Tiananmen Square that were put down in the late 70s, early 80s, and, and things like that. It was not a pretty place for quite a while, uh, and and that was part of the background for this kind of approach. Now we saw that footage. I, I mean, they do try to undermine it to a point, but South Korea has also tried to undermine the North. You know, with with you know blasting music and and sending information, and they've kind of agreed to lessen the rhetoric in that regard. So, and they they don't have complete free speech. It's illegal in many cases to speak well of the North. Uh, my friend who lives in South Korea wasn't sure if my book would be allowed there uh, because <laughs> it's, it's written from the North Korean perspective, even though the point is to condemn them as as harshly as possible. So it, that would be a question. But again, they you would have China looking over their shoulder. Um, and it, it would not be, uh, it, it would be interesting to see what happens. There's, there's a lot of people, Michael, that, um, uh, that, that say Donald Trump is being used. Uh, a lot of people that say, you know, he's broken the back. 
who's walking into the room with the most power? It's always the Americans. But here's the other thing. It's obviously the Americans. North Korea admits it's the Americans. Their metaphor, this is their metaphor that they use in their literature. They are an anthill, and we are an elephant. There's no way they can beat the elephant, but the ants can guide the elephant where they want it to be. But I want to point something else out. You know, people like Nancy Pelosi and and others in in, the corporate press are thinking Trump's going to go in there and be kind of bamboozled. This guy's an international real estate magnate. He's been negotiating with people for decades. Kim Jong-un, at the very least, is, is just a, a kid in his early 30s. I mean, the idea that he's this brilliant Machiavellian negotiator, we have no evidence mm. of this. Mm. And we certainly have seen a great deal of evidence of President Trump, at, at the very least in real estate, knowing how to schmooze people and, and be schmoozed by them. So the idea that he's going to be blindsided, especially when he has the State Department apparatchiks at his back, uh, people who are, you know, career uh, uh, government bureaucrats who are not going to be bamboozled that easily. I'm very skeptical at the idea that they're going to, you know, put one over on him and make a fool out of him. Uh, great to talk to you, Michael. We'll talk to you again as the uh, as the talks begin, uh, and uh, we'll check in with you probably again tomorrow. Thanks so much. Great pleasure, guys. You bet. Bye bye, Michael Malice, author of Dear Reader. Yeah, we should point out you kept saying Dear Reader, the uh, unauthorized biography of Kim Jong Il. You're missing something out here. This is a, is the unauthorized autobiography of Kim Jong Il, which uh, I don't know if there isn't such of a thing until Michael created it. The, right, the genre of unauthorized autobiographies. <laughs> well, just not a he didn't write one himself. There you go. You know, so somebody's <laughs> got to do it. Mm-hmm. According to Redfin, homes have sold faster than ever in April 2018. Prices rose 7.6% to a new median high of $302,200. Now, this is the first time the national median home price has surpassed the $300,000 mark. Jeez, if you're my age. I mean, do you remember what your folks paid for their house? Do you, do you remember? I think, my I, folks, I think my folks paid fifteen dollars or $20,000 for their house. And it was a nice house. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. Three hundred thousand dollars. Anyway, you want your your home to sell fast on time for the most amount of money. Trust these people. Real estate agents. I Finding the real estate agent that is right for you knows your area, knows what your house is worth and can help you price it to move fast. We have over a thousand agents all over America who their word is their bond, just like you. They're fans of the show. They share your sensibilities. They're all handpicked and fully vetted for their knowledge, their skill and their track record. So try them out. Have your home sold fast, on time, and for the most amount of money. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. So excited to have the uh, museum here, uh, an exhibition for some of the greatest artifacts uh, in American history and some things that are setting the record straight. We have this amazing letter. We're going to show it today on uh, TV. I was just, I was doing some research this weekend for the, uh, for the book and I kept coming across Thomas Paine stuff where he was, you know, he's an atheist, he's an atheist, he's an atheist. No, he's not. And we have the letter, uh, that he wrote to Benjamin Franklin. It will be here, um, this weekend. Uh, you'll see it on TV tonight, but, uh, rights and responsibilities museum opens for the three day showing, uh, June 15th through the 17th, it's rights and responsibilities. It's, it's all about the, what do our rights mean? Where do they come from? 
What role do they play? How do you know when they're wrong and and when we're violating them? Here's a tip. We're violating all of them. Um, but do you uh, you want to see this this uh, museum? First time we've opened up the entire studio, back and front, all studios. Uh, so you can come on in and see some of the artifacts that we have for our Mercury Museum. It is our temporary pop-up uh, exhibition for three days. Father's Day weekend makes a great gift for Father's Day. And we will see you this weekend. Mercuryone.org slash museum2018. Mercuryone.org slash museum2018. You can sign up for tours with myself, with Glenn, and a bunch of other stuff as well. Uh, we're, real quick, uh, tonight on TV, you're going to get a little preview of what you can see. This is just a little slice of the museum. But we're talking about three documents that I would say completely change the mainstream narrative of history yes for three massive uh players of american uh uh, heritage this is a pretty big uh pretty big deal it's a it's it's amazing when you just go to original sources you're like wait that but that's not what the history book teaches that's Mm -hmm. not what well here it is in their own hand proving three things in american history that you learned completely inaccurate We'll give you that tonight at 5 o'clock on the blaze. And come see them for yourself. Mercuryone.org slash museum 2018. It happens this weekend. Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck. My friends, uh, we're here for answers. And we have them. Finally, we have them. The answer to the question that we've all been asking. Should we be able to hate men? Amen. Amen, it's been said, now the answer is out there. We can rest a little easier this morning because the answer has been found by Susanna Walters. She's a professor of sociology and director of the Women's Gender and Sexuality Studies at Northern Uni- Northeastern University. I say that with a smile on my face because what a worthless degree that is. Anyway... If you can believe it, um, she has posted her answer in the Washington Post titled, Why Can't We Hate Men? She starts out by listing recent occasions in which men have been evil. It goes without saying that President Trump is right there on the top, of course, right there at the very, very tippy, tippy top. Uh, And she said, you know, he's very degrading to women, et cetera, et cetera. Seen in this indisputably true context It seems logical to hate men, and I can't lie. I've always had a soft spot for the radical feminist smackdown for naming the problem in no uncertain terms. Men. I've rankled at the, but we don't hate men, uh, you know, protests from generations of would-be feminists that found that men are not the problem. The system is. Yeah, that's a bunch of gobbledygook. So... The entire article is jammed full of words, uh, and they're great words. Some of the best words. Uh, words, f- you know, right out of the syllabus from the gender studies class. Wage inequality, patriarchy, education inequality. She unironically refers to America as the land of the legislative legitimated toxic masculinity. Hot button terms about issues that have either been made up or dramatized as means of, uh, you know, pushing the narrative. The whole thing, it reads like a comedy. I mean, it really does. It reads like a, you know, it reads like something that uh, that uh, maybe uh, um, 
uh, what's his name that was on, uh, you know, this weekend that, that, that was uh, Robert De Niro that was getting his award and gave a speech, you know, something, something that maybe he would be able to do, you know, something uh, uptight, out of touch, hysterical, humorless, you know, that kind of thing. She says, so men, if you really are with us, you'd like us not to hate you. Well, that would be nice. I would like that. Sure. Then lean out so we can stand up without being beaten down. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are we going to have to stop beating women? Pledge to vote for feminist women only. Don't run for office. Don't be in charge of anything. Step away. You know what? I think she's right. I'm going to just. Well, maybe I should just finish the show. I think maybe I'll finish the show. We'll have a woman in here tomorrow. Anyway, step away from the power. We've got this. And please know that your crocodile tears won't be wiped away by us anymore. We have every right to hate you because you have done wrong. Hashtag because patriarchy. It's long past time to play hardball for team feminism and win. This is beautiful. I'm not going to get outraged because she's idiotic. The article stands as one of the more divisive, inflammatory pieces of rhetoric coming out of the radical left, which more often is less radical and more and more commonplace. It's happening now in the Washington Post. Can you imagine an article in the Washington Post? You know what? Should we hate black people? I mean, let me give you some reasons why we should hate black people. I don't think that would happen. Just white men using myths and opinions as fact. Can we look at some of the great things that men have also done? No. No. Men, shut up. Sit down. You have absolutely no value. This is the world that you're headed toward. And I will show you how it is infecting everything and about to turn on the machine. It's Monday, June 11th. This is the Glenn Beck program. Okay, let me give you a couple of let me give you a couple of things here, just headlines and then we're going to come back to some of these. Uh, Twitter, the CEO caves in. Uh, he got backlash because he tweeted his, uh, you know, hey, look, I just saved a bunch of money at Chick-fil-A. And people were like, why are you eating oh, at Chick-fil-A? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You're one of them. Those sandwiches are sexist, homophobic, oh and racist. Oh, my gosh. On behalf of the whole LGBTQ, M&M, N-O-P community, we are really, really... We're really angry with you. And so he apologized for eating at uh, the, 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 the head of Twitter apologized for ordering a chicken sandwich at Chick-fil-A. <sighs> Meanwhile, Louis Farrakhan, which you're going to come back to, um, you know, did some anti-Semitic. I can't believe. I know. I know. Louis Farrakhan, you don't believe it until you actually read it. But. He came out and he was very anti-Semitic and talked about, you know, how those satanic Jews are taking over everything. But Twitter came down hard on him. Uh, He lost his blue check mark. Oh, my gosh. No, he did not. Yes, 
He did. They did it. They took away his verified account status. Now, people can still read it and still see it, and he still can tweet to all. But you don't know if it's Louis Farrakhan or not. He's no longer a verified status member. That's how tough they are (laughs) on this. So it's not the things that he's saying about Jews. It's just the fact that he's saying them as a verified Twitter user. Yeah. Which actually, I think, is is a worse outcome than leaving it the way it was, right? Because now people will say, it's almost like you could deny that Louis Farrakhan says those things. It's not even verified, right? Like, I want people to know that actually is Louis Farrakhan saying those things. When he tweets out his anti-Semitism. I don't think you understand the punishment of losing your verified account. I have a verified account and yeah. do not really consider it a, a punishment if it went away tomorrow. Uh, well, you haven't lived through the nightmare that is losing the blue check mark. Now, let me take you here. The Blaze is reporting the CrossFit executive that was fired for claiming that LGBTQ pride is a sin. Oh, boy. He was their de facto spokesperson. And they said, are we going to put a CrossFit gym in Indianapolis? Uh, for the city's Pride Week. And he said, no, as somebody personally that personally believes celebrating Pride is a sin, I'd like to personally encourage CrossFit uh, to uh, to uh, stand by their convictions and refuse to host an indie Pride workout. Well, he's been fired. He'd lost more than his blue checkmark. He's been, he's been fired. So I just want to... Yeah. So he lost, he lost his job. Yeah. The, the Twitter Louis guy Farrakhan. just didn't know. T- Twitter guy just didn't know he was eating Chick-fil-A. Otherwise, otherwise it could have been much worse. He said, I completely forgot. I'm sorry. You're right. So he's off the hook. Thank God. Thank God. He just didn't remember. I'm here to remind you. Don't eat Chick-fil-A. Don't, don't, is, don't eat and tweet. So don't eat and tweet. Don't eat and tweet. Um, and, uh, and the Louis Farrakhan thing. I mean, you want to come down harder on him than taking away his blue check mark? Really? Is there a tougher punishment in this no. society? I don't know. No. Um, but just so people are aware, sandwiches don't have opinions on things. Uh-huh. Um, they're just sandwiches. Okay. All right. You're dangerously close to losing your check. Perhaps they think to themselves at times, don't, right, please well, don't make me into a sandwich. I would That stop. may have happened at one point. I want Twitter to know his opinions are not my opinions. Do not lose my blue check mark because of the hateful things that he is saying. Now... Google has has released its diversity record. And it's a problem. And it's a problem for Google. And they brought it up at the shareholder meeting. Uh, because overall, the Google, the Google workforce is 70% men. 30% women. 61% white. 30% Asian, 2% black, 3% Hispanic, 1% other. Mm. And then I don't know what two or more it must mean you're two things or more, or is that a new gender? I don't know what that one is, but two or more is 4%. So <clears throat> there's a problem at Google and they want it solved. And in fact, uh, the community has come out and uh, and demanded that they start hiring uh, people that are not white and not men. And the a lot of the people that work there are coming together. You know, they already got Google to drop the Pentagon deal. 
which I, I actually agree with. I was a little glad to see that. But uh, so their, their, their shareholders stood up and said, this fundamentally hurts the products uh, of Google. And by having this many white men working there has, quote, left many of us feeling unsafe and unable to do our work. Not a big fan of uh, white men. I just, you know, they, they seem to, everything they touch uh, dies. They're just terrible, terrible people. And I'm glad Google's finally acknowledging this. Well, Google is saying we don't really know what what to do here. <laughs> because men are the ones that go into tech, generally speaking. Yep. And um, uh, by large percentages. Of course, that's also the fa- fault of men, we should point out. Uh, men have been intentionally telling girls that they're pretty instead of saying they're smart. And if they would say that they're smart, then they would go into engineering because there's no difference between them. The only difference being, oh, of course, that you tell women that they're pretty. It's weird because I've mm-hmm. told all of my daughters that they're smart. Uh, did none ever, of them got did into Did you ever say that they were pretty? Oh, does that cancel it out? Yeah, it cancels it out. Oh, if you, I didn't if you know say, that. Yeah, if you say that they oh. look nice at any time in their life, they're going to just go into making teacups. They don't have any choice. Women really? can't, they can't control themselves. They make them. They just go right into making teacups. Really? Yeah. Somebody I mean, else, yeah, some might, somebody somebody else might make, makes them. They just paint them or use yeah, them, maybe? Yeah, yeah, of course not, obviously. Yeah, they okay. can't handle Oof. production lines. Right, no women. okay. You're scaring uh, me there what for I'm a saying, second. Someplace there was a... You know, there was a big factory with women in charge making teacups. I thought, whoa, of course, that was a leak. Don't be ridiculous. Okay, good. I'm saying maybe occasional knitting. You know what I mean? Right. Like uh, f- selling mm-hmm. uh, various uh, kitchen storage, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, pieces uh, at home. Um, well, Tupperware parties. Yeah, like, Tupperware parties. Yeah, please, uh, you're not going to. They're not going to employ them in a. No, you're not saying like in the container yeah. store there'd be a woman by oh, the no, counter. Oh no, of course not. Of course okay. not. Okay, all let's, right. Let's okay. be clear about that. All right, all right. Um, it's not at all because my just, little just... lady is not coming out of the kitchen to buy anything. You know. Oh, of course. My sweetums. Mm-hmm. You know. Your sweetums. Yeah, my sweet sweetums. Pea? Yeah, my sweet pea. She mm-hmm. is not leaving the kitchen. She's you know she's got things to do. She's in there busy. So I'll get her some I don't know palm olive or some soap to keep her hands you know mm-hmm. soft and supple, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and then I'll go to the you know container store or the kitchen thing that sits next to the sink store. Yep, and I'll buy some of those. And by the way, that store owned, of course, by a man. Uh, he, oh, he'll boy. he'll run the accounting. Right. Department. Is that why it's and then called women can thing that sits by the kitchen sink <laughs> yeah, store? They're not very good at naming things. Yeah. The white people in particular. Yeah, they're bad. Um, but we should make clear that it is not it is not the fact that men and women are different. It's not the fact that men might enjoy engineering and women might enjoy high paid healthcare jobs like they're well, dominating the field. Right I will now. tell you this right now, and I want you to listen carefully. There is no difference between a man and a woman. None. There's none. There Never. is no difference. And science can't find one. There is no difference. Nope. That's why we need women to run companies. Thank you. Because but, we need more women. Things would be different if we I mean, had more well, women. Wait, why would they be different, though, if they're the same? If, because they would be. They'd be different. No, but what I'm saying is if you're saying they're the exact same, if you put they women are the in charge, exact, don't, don't, don't try really... to confuse this. They are exactly the same. Okay, so let's they're say they are. exactly the same. I'm agreeing there with you. There is no difference. I'm agreeing with you. All right. Though I've I noticed don't believe... a couple differences, but I, let's no. just say. Don't go there. 
<laughs> don't go there. You there's, are so childish. Don't even go there. There, there are notable is, differences. There is... Mm-hmm. My are. my point though is not that the, I, I'm disagreeing with you because you you are disagreeing with a me. fundamental scientific basis here. There to is say there's no, no difference. difference. My, my point is if there's no difference, yes, then if you put women in charge of the company, then things nothing. will be fixed. They'll be better. We Why need would, to have women in charge. So you think things would change if women were more in charge? Of course they would change. But They'd if they're be the better. same as men, why would they change? Because they're women. But women are the same as men, so there would be no difference. Don't try to turn this around with your hypnosis that all you racist, bigot, misogynists try to do. Listen carefully. Okay. Okay? Mm -hmm. There is no difference between a man and a woman. None. Zero. Got it. So if you were to put women in charge of... Just take it one at a time. You got that? I got it, yeah. Separate. Build a wall between that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Now, we need more women in the workplace. Why? Because it will be better. Women, do you think this country would be in the mess that it's in if it were run by women? Answer the question. I'm not going to ask you, you misogynist. <laughs> the answer is no. I would think we wouldn't be in this problem because on, women are better. We need them in the workplace. But based on what you said, better, better is different, right? Like, it, okay, it, they, hold on just a second. <laughs> you missed the fundamental. Did I not say build a wall between these? You, d- you did. That's one statement. That's a true statement by its agree. True statement women are no better they're they're no difference there's they're exactly the same there's nothing a man can do that a woman cannot do and and vice don't, versa don't, wait hold on vice versa it. do we get vice versa on that point is there's nothing that a woman can do that a man there's lots of things that a woman what is, a woman a so woman women can, can do, do things that men can't do lots of things but men can't do anything that a woman can do no or can't do no no right so no, I want to make sure I understand. There's no difference. Women have, but women can do things that, that men okay. can't do. All right. So How can there be no difference are, if women? Because can, let me let me draw this out for you. Okay. Uh-huh. The, draw on. Take a piece of paper. Draw okay. three little boxes. Okay. Like the three little pigs, you dumb man. Right. Okay. You draw three little boxes. First box. Women are no different. Got it. Yeah. Second box. Okay. We need women in the workplace because things would be better. And then third box. Yeah, oh, th- is there another wall? No, this, they're in boxes. Okay. You didn't understand the wall. They're in boxes. Okay. And then the third box, there are things that women can do that men cannot. Got it? I mean, I I, I get... I mean, I get the boxes thing, but, yeah. but like... We live in a world where we would hear part one and then apply it to part two and three. And oh no, no. Oh, in your world of in your world of hierarchical rules, yeah. No thanks to your patriarchy and your hierarchy. Okay, these are just three boxes side by side, all of them true. Period. But if a liberty safe, liberty safe. I don't know how many men are in making liberty safes. Probably a few. <laughs> We'll have them killed by the end of the show. Okay, all the Liberty Safe so workers. Does each statement live in a Liberty Safe that's locked? That- locked up, locked up. So you can't- like the lockbox for our Social Security. You're getting it now. Mm, okay. Liberty Safe 
Great price. You can receive 12 months interest-free payments with zero down and zero APR. You know who probably thought of that? A woman. They're even Now there's Liberty Safes for as low as $20 a month. Another idea from a woman. Now, Liberty Safe has been around for a long time. They've never offered this before because they were run by men, I'm sure. You'll get peace of mind, lifetime warranty, in-home delivery service, and it's all unmatched in the industry. So buy a Liberty Safe now. The best built safes on the planet. LibertySafe.com. That's LibertySafe.com. Glenn Beck. So here is a good thing. Here's a good company, Stu. It's a good company that has made changes in the tech world. Uh, Microsoft, they got it going on. Uh, they, they have decided that they're going to tie all their executive bonuses in to workforce diversity. Oh, good. Okay. So here's, they just tweeted a uh, picture of all the Microsoft summer interns, uh, there. That's a tweet that they issued, uh, there. And I think that's a, that's a great class. That's a good looking class. It doesn't, the toner may have been, there's, I don't see any, all that type. Verse. No, I don't. Well, I don't. I don't see any white people in that huge crowd. Uh, no. But if you put white people in there, you're not going to get a bonus. Okay, you're not going to get a bonus. <laughs> so we are so screwed up. We are. It's amazing. So there's a box in between the box. Is what yeah, but saying. there's a wall between the two boxes. Okay. Why are we in the situation we're in right now? Why are we in the situation to where uh, nothing makes sense? Men and women are exactly the same. Exactly the same. There's nothing a, a man can do that a woman can't. Separate box. Next box. We have to hire more women because things would be different if we hired more women. Things we, The country wouldn't be in the mess it's in if it was run by women. Do not refer back to the first box. This is postmodernism. That's what this is. We are now at the end of the republic. Postmodernism. There is no truth. There is no reason. It's only what you decide. So today at Twitter, I can decide that Louis Farrakhan, who is saying that that uh, Jews are evil, they're Satan, they should be destroyed. Twitter can decide because there is no truth that they're going to punish him by removing his blue check mark. At the same time, the CEO of Twitter needs to be punished because he tweeted that he was buying a sandwich at Chick-fil-A. People were up in arms. Mm. guy who works for crossfit fired because because he said he didn't think that there 
He thought pride was a sin. He expressed his point of view. He was fired. Meanwhile, they're still debating wedding cakes. There's a bakery in Denver. I'm sorry, a church in Denver that says Jesus would have baked the cake. That's weird. That's weird because he didn't even have an oven or a house. Possibly even frosting. But Jesus would have made the cake. Fix reason firmly in her seat. I never understood that as much as I do right now. I understood the other part. And question with boldness, even the very existence of God. I've lived in a country and in a time where reason ruled. Where men were men and women were women. Now, men come in all different shapes and sizes and personalities. Women, the same. But there is an X and a Y chromosome, period. But that's when reason and science prevailed. Now we can have gender studies people just tell us that there's 140 different genders. Huh. Fix reason firmly in her seat. That was the, that was the age of enlightenment. That we weren't going to just take something from the church. We weren't just going to take somebody's word for it. We were going to use science and reason. And if it made sense, and you could verify it, we're going there. Now, there would be some things we take on faith. Some things that we don't know for sure. But if we knew it from science, what are you doing? So the Enlightenment came out of a time where people dropped their self-imposed immaturity. I want to quote something to you. I want to read something to you. I want you to listen carefully. Tell me who you think wrote this. Enlightenment is man's emergence from his self-imposed immaturity. Immaturity is the inability to use one's understanding without guidance from another. This immaturity is self-imposed when its cause lies in the, not in the lack of understanding, but in the lack of resolve and courage to use it without guidance from another. The motto of the Enlightenment is have courage to use your own understanding. Laziness and cowardice are the reasons why such a great proportion of men, long after nature has released them from alien guidance, nonetheless gladly remain in lifelong immaturity. And why is it so easy for them to establish themselves as guardians one over another? Because it's so easy to be immature. I have a book. That's going to serve to serve my understanding. I've got a priest. He'll serve my conscience. A doctor. He's going to determine my diet for me. So I don't really need to exert myself at all. I don't have to think. As long as I can pay, somebody else is going to undertake all the work for me. And the guardians who have been so benevolent 
They have taken to the supervision of men, and they have carefully seen to it that the far greatest portion of them regard taking the first step to maturity as very dangerous, not to mention difficult. Having, having the first made their domestic livestock dumb, having carefully made sure that these docile creatures will not take a single step without the go-kart in which they're harnessed, these guardians will then show them the danger that threatens them. Should they attempt to walk alone? Oh, danger. Now, the danger is not actually so great, for after falling a few times, they would, in the end, learn how to walk. But an example of this kind of men, uh, this kind makes men timid and usually frightens them from all further attempts. So it's difficult for any individual man to work himself out of immaturity. Because that becomes his nature. He becomes fond of the state and for the time being is actually incapable of using his own understanding because no one has allowed him to ever attempt it. Rules and formulas, those mechanical aids to the, to the rational use or rather misuse, of his natural gifts. Those things are shackles of permanent immaturity. Nothing's required for enlightenment except freedom. And the freedom in question is the least harmful of all, namely the freedom to use reason. The freedom to use reason publicly in all matters, but on all sides today, you hear, don't argue, the officer says, do what you're told. Don't argue, drill, says the quartermaster. Tax man, don't argue, pay. Pastor, don't argue, believe. Meanwhile, the guardians say, argue as much as you want. But you're going to obey. Now, in many affairs conducted in the interest of the community, a certain mechanism is required by means of which some of its members must conduct themselves in an entirely passive manner. So through their artificial unanimity, the government may guide them towards public ends or at least prevent them from destroying such ends. Here, one certainly must not argue. Instead, one must obey. However, insofar as this part of the machine also regards itself as a member of the community at whole, or even of the world community, and as a consequence addresses the public in the role of a scholar, in the proper sense of that term, he can most certainly argue without harming the affairs for which, as a passive member, he's partly responsible. Because this would be disastrous. If an officer on duty who is given command by his superior were to question the appropriateness or utility of the order, he too must obey. But as a scholar, he cannot justify and be constrained from making comments about errors in military service or from placing them before the public for its judgment. The citizen cannot refuse to pay taxes imposed on him Indeed, impertinent criticism of such levies would then would still have to be paid by him and would be punished. But the same person does not act contrary to civic duty when, as a scholar, he expresses his thoughts regarding 
even the injustice of taxes. Likewise, a pastor is bound to instruct, tell his congregation in accordance with the symbol of the church he, uh, he serves, for he was appointed on that condition. But as a scholar, he has complete freedom, even though calling in to and impart all of his carefully considered and well-intentioned thoughts concerning the mistaken aspects of that symbol. But they don't do it. When asked, do we live in an enlightened age? No. No, we don't. Any idea who wrote that? Does it seem like it was written for today? The only ones that can question are the scholars. You're not allowed. Just obey. And men are immature. Men are immature because they're not required to think. In fact, they're instructed not to think. They're told what to do. And then they are showed example, shown example after example after example of this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to fail. You're going to fail and it's going to hurt really, really bad. And so the guardians of the state come in and show you that they're benevolent and they're they're going to they're going to hold you up. You just have to do what they say and they'll hold you up. It'll be okay. You're not going to fall. Nobody's going to get a boo-boo. And so you not only become immature, you stay immature because it becomes part of your nature. This was written by Immanuel Kant in 1784. This was the age of enlightenment. This is what brought about our country. This was the foundation of what allowed Thomas Jefferson to say, question with boldness, even the very existence of God, for if there be a God, he must surely rather honest questioning over blindfolded fear. We are now no longer in the age of enlightenment. It went from the age of enlightenment to be called the modern age, where reason was fixed in her seat, and we used reason and science and fact. And that's what was taught. And each individual was taught to be strong and to stand on their own and to use their own intellect. We are now in the age of postmodernism, which means we are past modernism. We are past the age of enlightenment to a new glorious place where there is no truth. I will not go over the cliff with the rest of humanity. You can go over if you want, but I will not comply. And I will not go any further. Getting ready to retire. More Americans are retiring with more debt than ever before. 
Now, that's a takeaway from a new study that appeared last month at the Economic Association uh, Papers and Proceedings. So if you're thinking about retiring, you got to remember retirement preparation is not just about accumulating wealth, but also managing your debt. Take care of your financial health right now. Consider consolidating any high interest debt into a low rate mortgage. I'm talking about credit card debt, personal loans, maybe even student loans. All of these things, all other debt can be rolled into one service payment. One, an American financing home loans. They'll save you up to $1,000 a month, $1,000 a month. It just takes a 10-minute call. You call one of their salary-based mortgage consultants and get started, and you're going to see why they have, uh, I think, 2,000 customer reviews, a 4.7 out of 5. It's pretty incredible. This is the kind of company that you want to work with. For more information, visit AmericanFinancing.net. Or call them at 800-906-2440. That's 800-906-2440. AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Some really sad news uh, over the weekend with Charles Krauthammer uh, came out. We were off the air before this news broke. Charles Krauthammer is, uh, I mean, we're losing a giant. It came out that he has been fighting cancer for a very, very long time. Uh, and uh, he's been given about two weeks to live. And so he is at home with his family. And it's, I mean, there is a guy who has fought his whole life. And just brilliant. Just truly brilliant. Our thoughts and prayers are with the Krauthammer family. An impossible situation. I mean, I mean, what he's been dealing with for such a long time, and then to kind of have that moment where you're like, you know what, you're not dead. You're just saying, I know I'm going to be dead soon. Is a real. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you get to say everything you need to say to people, right? Well, that's certainly a positive, you know. But it's tough to deal with basically the really finality of it all while you're still yeah. alive for who knows weeks, months. I don't know. I hope I can go out with as much class as he has. No kidding, yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Not just go out. I wish I could be half the man Charles Krauthammer uh, has been. Classy, intellectual, good, strong man. Mercury. Glenn Beck. You remember this line from Back to the Future? Erased from existence. When Doc Brown looks at the picture of Marty. Erased from it. From existence? What does that mean, Doc? You're screwed, Marty! Uh, at least that's the way I remember it. I, what I'm what pretty, scene was that? No, I'm pretty sure <laughs> that's the way it is. Okay, so anyway. Vladimir, you know why? It's been a race from existence. Uh, Vladimir Putin uh, is doing kind of the same thing right now. He is meddling with history. Uh, unlike with Biff Tannen trying to uh, you know, create an alternate universe... Russia isn't haunted by the legacy of Joseph Stalin anymore um, because Putin is building his casino. The most brutal dictator in history, Joseph Stalin. People are now saying in Russia, and good luck with getting away with this, Vladimir Putin is systematically destroying the darkest parts of the old Soviet Union and playing up at things like its triumph in World War II. 
Russian historians are now concerned that the government authorities are destroying the records to downplay the crimes of the Stalin era. Police recently destroyed the archives of all of the victims of one of Stalin's purges. Now, imagine getting rid of the archives and what this would mean for history. Getting rid of the archives and all of the names at Auschwitz. All of a sudden, all that paperwork just was gone and destroyed. How hard would it be for people in coming generations to believe that were true? Some of the harshest camps in Stalin's gulag system were uh, located in the eastern uh, region of Russia. And when a researcher inquired about some of the destroyed archives, police in the region confirmed that there was a government order in 2014 that mandated that police destroy all of the prisoner registration cards that are now over 80 years old. Why would you do that? Millions of Russians were killed by Stalin, sent to forced labor camps. Those that were fortunate enough to eventually be released had their personal details recorded on government registration cards. They were permanent. This year alone, hundreds of Russians who have inquired with Moscow's Gulag History Museum, that's got to bank for a great weekend outing, They've asked for their information about relatives whose victims uh, who were victims of Stalin's purges. Historians now have asked the Kremlin's human rights commissioner to launch an official investigation into those destroyed records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be the one who stands up and says, yep, well, it was definitely Putin. Yep, it was he. The human rights commissioner, I'm sure, is going to jump right all over that. These are fascinating and dangerous times for the truth, and it's happening all over the world. Whether it's literally erasing historic evidence, like in Russia, or the deceptive cherry-picking of history here in the United States, or the frightening deep fakes, this new technology that is poised to falsify history. We have to know history. We have to do our own homework. We have to know the facts. Because there are those in power and those who aspire to power who stand to benefit from keeping people locked in the dark. It's Monday, June 11th. This is the Glenn Beck Program. It's one of the reasons why we're having our museum uh, this weekend. There's some really incredible things that we're going to be showing you. That are the original documents, the original pieces, if you will, of history that show um, a story and bring it to life. And a lot of the things that we're doing are correcting history. We're showing you in their own words and their own handwriting uh, and the documents from the time that history has it all wrong. We have several pieces uh, that do that with Abraham Lincoln. Uh, we also are thrilled to have the original handwritten in Abraham Lincoln's hand Gettysburg Address uh, coming from the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum. And Alan Lowe, who is the executive director up there, is uh, joining us now. Hello, Alan. How are you? Hi, Glenn. Great. Great to be back with you. So what do you think? We were just talking about what's happening with with Stalin. I mean, sorry, uh, with Stalin under Putin. Um, what do you think, Alan, are the things about Abraham Lincoln that 
that that have been either brushed aside uh, or intentionally skimmed over. Right. Well, I think, first of all, you know, every day here, uh, he's such an icon. And one thing we stress is uh, he was a man. Um, he lived here in Springfield. He raised a family, bought a house. He had all the trials and tribulations of anyone's life. And, you know, he once said in a great speech at the Cooper Union in New York that we have to have faith that right makes might. And I think he really shows us that individuals can make a real difference in the world, uh, that all of us have the power within us to do that. Uh, so we often think about him maybe, you know, philosophically brooding in his office and thinking big thoughts. But this was a real person who had to deal with a lot of uh, big and small issues of governance and of life. Uh, but he saw his way through that. He had a real vision for the future of the country, and uh, he worked every day to make that happen. You know, it was a different world when he um, when he died, uh, yeah. and I think it would have been a very different country had he lived. Um, uh, but I, I'm, I I have a hard time with his with his death and the way uh, the way how how callous some people were at the end of his life where we we own the collar of his suit we have this in the part of the museum we own the collar of his suit which was cut off you know as he was dying um yeah i mean who does that kind of stuff (laughs) well i know we have several items from that night as well uh the gloves that were in his pocket uh uh, it goes on and on. And you're right, you, you think of uh, Herndon, for example. He, if I understand correctly, had a book of uh, Lincoln's earliest writing, the Sum Book, it's called. And, and people would come to him, they wanted a piece of Lincoln. And he literally split that book apart and sent the pages out here and there. Mm. Uh, so people immediately wanted that connection with, uh, with their hero. Do you know, do you know the story of uh, Laura Keene, the, the actress that was on stage uh, no, that I night? Don't. So I, I would love to hear if you know somebody. I mean, you've got all the experts, so I would love to he- yeah. have you check with the experts. And then when you come down this weekend, maybe uh, tell the story. Sure. Um, but um, uh, Laura was the one that was on stage during uh, the shooting. And I've heard two versions. One where she is just, you know, oh, my gosh, the president. And she runs up with a deal of water and says, uh, could they get water? Um, and then she says, why, I just can't think of the president laying his head uh, down uh, on the floor. Let him put his head and rest it in my lap. Now, that's one side. The other side was she came up with the water after she put on a, a dress that was was white and pristine, uh, knowing that this would be history. And she wanted to be remembered as the as the wow. Florence Nightingale of the time. Yeah. I know that part of that dress is in one of the museums in Washington, D.C. Okay. I'd love to hear what the prevailing theory was on her. Was she, was she just acting quickly like most human beings were, or was she somebody who saw herself as being able to get famous? I hope it's the former, but I will find out for you, Glenn. Yeah, okay. We have a Lincoln historian here and the state historian of Illinois. They know a lot of this stuff, so I will check with them and know when I come down to Dallas. You know, it's really important what you guys uh, do, and uh, uh, and I sure appreciate it. Um, I have not been to your museum yet, but everybody who works here uh, that has been up to the museum says it is absolutely uh, incredible. 
Well, we, we'd love to have you come visit. Well, thank you for those very kind words. Uh, I think it's uh, an, a, a fun place, an inspiring place. Uh, we have a great story to tell, and I think we tell it in a really innovative, uh, interesting way for sure. What is the Both ghost? The what, is, and the library. what is the ghost of the library? What is that? <laughs> well, it's one of the two shows we have. We have the ghost of the library and Lincoln's Eyes. And ghost of the library talk about why presidential libraries and museums are important, and more fundamentally, why maintaining these archives, these documents, these artifacts, these photographs, why it's important for us. Like you're talking, how we cannot forget our history. And it's told some, with some really uh, amazing holographic uh, technology that, that even I don't quite fully understand how we do it. And I don't want to know, Glenn. It's a great <laughs> mystery. But it's a, it's a wonderfully fun experience and I think very touching and uh, wow. compelling. The you because you did the uh, Bush Library, you were in charge of the Bush Library and the build out and everything else. Then you moved up to the Lincoln Library. You you both both of them have the oval uh, from that time period. Biggest difference between the two. Well, now here we actually have the cabinet room. So, uh, you know, the oval wasn't done until the early uh, the oval, as we know, until early 20th century. So I didn't know that. uh, Yeah. uh, Abe had. uh, he spent a lot of time in what was the cabinet room with a big couch there that he didn't quite fit on, and uh, that's where a lot of his meetings were. So, huh. no, you know, the, it's interesting to see, again, one of the big differences, and I've been around presidential libraries and museums most of my career, is the, the difference in how many people were in the White House helping the president. So, you know, you see what Lincoln had to deal with every day with a war and, and so many other issues of domestic and foreign policy, and he had almost no staff compared to what you see in the modern presidency yeah, we, that really takes off in the 20th century i can't remember which which president it was uh but we have the bell that was from the front you know from the, the you know the front desk where you would ring the bell you'd walk into the white house and ring the bell if you wanted to see the president it's like <laughs> yeah, crazy yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and he would have to set aside you know parts of every day to meet with visitors and and uh, just an unending uh, parade of people wanting a piece of his time. Amazing. Amazing. Alan, thank you so much. And thanks for the, uh, the use of uh, some of the documents and some of the things that you have uh, at the museum. The Lincoln Presidential Library Museum uh, up in Illinois. You, you have to see it. I will go the next time I'm there. Uh, everyone I know says it's one of the best museums in the country. Uh, and we're, we're grateful for all that you do. Alan, thank you so much. Thank you, Glenn. I can't wait to see you. Good. We'll see you this weekend. Alan Lowe, the executive director. And the Mercury Museum happens this weekend. It's Rights and Responsibility presented by the Mercury Museum. It's an exhibit that lasts for three days. It is happening this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It is Father's Day weekend. We're going to be there all weekend. My family is going to be working it, too. We're all, it's just like a family thing. We're all going to be here, and we would love to see your family and take you through history. And the biggest Lincoln marquee item is what, the Gettysburg Address, handwritten by Lincoln? Yeah, they know that's would you say? Again, the the biggest... The biggest marquee item uh, uh, from the Lincoln Collection. From the Lincoln Collection? I don't know. I I mean, that's one of them. I mean, I think that's that's the one that I'm going to be saying, holy cow. Yeah. Uh, But there's some other things that I'm used to that the first time I saw them, you know, Mary Todd Lincoln's dress that was made for the funeral, and you can see the hem of it, and it's just been stitched so fast. Uh, the flowers that she carried to the funeral. Uh, I think their Bible that he read every day. I mean, some amazing stuff from Abraham Lincoln. 
uh, and that is at the Rights and Responsibilities uh, Museum here at the Mercury Studios. Join us this weekend. Get your tickets now at mercuryone.org slash museum2018. Mercuryone.org slash museum2018. You can also sign up. And I think there's a special tour on Thursday night and a special film that we're going to show that's just for a very select few. If you'd like to sign up for that, all the proceeds go to the museum. And we really can't wait to see you. All right. The Better Business Bureau heard complaints just last year, 5,000 complaints about alarm companies that puts home security in the top 10% of most complained about industries. Think of that. The top 10% of all companies that are complained about are the ones that are watching your home. Why? Because it's a scam, quite honestly. They've, they lock you into this contract. You can't get out of it. The prices are just sky high. You don't own the system. You have zero power. Once you put that in your house, you have zero power. Not the same way with Simply Safe. Simply Safe got rid of all of the contracts and all of the hidden fees. You own it. You don't have to have anybody coming in and wire it because it's completely wireless. And no fine print with a contract? Well, how do I get them to monitor? You want it? It's fourteen dollars ninety nine cents a ninety five cents a month. Fourteen ninety five a month. You don't want it? You just call them and say I don't need it next month. This is the way to do business. It is the best system out. And it, it is it's won the three top awards for technology in the in the uh, home security business just this year. It's incredible. And you're going to save a buttload of money and no hassle. You'll see why Simply Safe has rave reviews with the BBB and an A plus rating. SimplySafeBeck.com. That's SimplySafeBeck.com. Go there now. Home security A plus. SimplySafeBeck.com. Glad you're here. You ever watch the show Timeless? Uh, I do not. I've never have. I've heard good things about it, though. Have you really? Uh, yeah. I don't know what network it's on or anything else. I watch it on, I don't know, Amazon or Netflix, one of those. Um, it is. It's great. Uh, you know, I was complaining about, oh, I can't find a show to watch. My family. Oh, yeah. This is it. This is it. This is it. It's smart. It actually teaches history. I mean, I'm I'm shocked at how many times I'm like, oh, geez, they're going to take this on. This is going to be, oh, my gosh, that's right. Yes. Yes, that's exactly. Yes, that's right. It's really well done. Well acted. It's an adventure. It's about a time machine and people chasing each other, you know, back and forth. They're chasing a bad guy who's trying to change history and they're trying to stop him. And it really, don't think it through too much because you're like, why don't you just show up 10 minutes before he gets there and shoot him when he gets out of the time machine? But I, you know, other than I'm that. I'm sure there's a plot explainer. That, there will be at the end. It's like that shaft in the Death Star. Yeah. yeah you it's thought you were so smart. Why did they just build a Death Star with a big shaft in the middle? Yeah. Well, now you know, don't now you? Now you know. If you watched Rogue One, you That's know. Right. That they did it intentionally. We didn't screw up one of the classic movies of all time. <laughs> no. We just look. Well, that was a real thing. We meant to do that. Right. Um, I'm, a, I'm an Abigail Spencer fan as well uh, from uh, former Suits alum. Uh, so I'm very uh, I I w- I've looked at this movie and or this series and thought this could be pretty good. It is really good. I'm, I'm it's really good, and you actually like it, which means of course I won't. Like you won't it, like so it, so then I will not so. now try it. 
You should. I hate it. You should try it. Wow. I'd, I'd really be interested in, in, in your point of view. I really, and it changes in the second season. I've, one, I, it changes in the second season. You'll like it. You'll like it. I'm interested. This yeah. is, it's uh, on NBC, by the way. It's an NBC show. Boy, how, I mean, okay, Grandpa. You're the one that said, I don't know what network it's on. Right. I mean, but is, I mean, isn't that crazy? That so I like, tried to answer it for you. Right. That's all. I mean, I mean, I can't even imagine watching it on TV now. It's like, ugh. Really? It's on TV? Ugh. It's on TV, Glenn. It's on TV. It is amazing. Do you watch TV? I do watch TV, yes. Am I out of the mainstream on that? You watch shows on television. Not like sports. You watch shows. Well, mostly sports. Yeah, okay. I mean, you know, occasionally, like, I'll certainly watch occasional uh, cable news uh, due, due to my okay, job. Okay, well, that's not TV. You're saying, like, network series Yeah, you like, watch, I, but I'm going to flip on, you know, I don't even know, Cagney and Lacey on Cagney ABC. Cagney and Lacey is really good this season. Have <laughs> right. you guys been watching that? That's really yeah, good. Yeah, really good. Cagney is all over Lacey. All over. It's insane. It's changed a bit. It's, too, it's there's changed almost, a bit. There's almost too much Lacey in Cagney these days. Right. Is, is, right? is the way I look at right. it. Right, yeah. Uh, but, I, you know... <laughs> <laughs> I Cagney and lazy. Um, I do uh, Suits is a show that I do watch when it's on. Like there's a few shows like that. There's uh, I believe a new uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia season coming eventually, and I will certainly watch that when it happens. There's a few of those shows I'll watch. You know, Family Guy. <laughs> Occasionally tune into Family Guy. Yeah, I just don't. There's just I mean, not there's a lot. Just, uh, yeah, there's not. Yeah. I mean, I just wait for it on. You know, you're getting it. I don't like the oldness of it. I don't like the fact that I've got to wait. You know, I don't like waiting. If, if you if don't pay any really attention at all to the networks, you don't know you're waiting. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> you know, like Timeless, brand new to me. I didn't know. Been on what, for two years? Got to be on his third season now? One of the big things, especially with a series like that, that's an ongoing storyline, you don't want to commit to it in season one. Because what if they cancel it five episodes in and you're Can I you're tell mad? you something? I'm still mad at NBC for canceling, uh, what was it, the Wizard of Oz show they did. Uh, it was great. Cagney and Lacey? Cagney and Lacey, yes. you saw it? Yes, I yes. watch it all the time. Yes. <laughs> no, there was this Wizard of Oz show that was on that was it was really, it was a reimagining of it. The Wiz. Vincent, it's called The Wiz. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. I know this doesn't sound good, uh-huh, okay. but it was actually a uh-huh. really uh, different uh, interpretation of The Wizard of Oz. And you let, the whole se- first season was putting the gang together. And then you're like, then it just doesn't come back. You're like, wait. <laughs> Wait a minute, what? What happened? You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the program, Mr. Uh, Pat Gray. Thank you. I'm surprised you could make it through the maze of our studio uh, now, because with everything being built for the uh, for the museum, it's a little... I know, you keep calling this a pop-up museum, but <laughs> there's, this has like been going on for a while. This is yeah, extensive... Yeah, there's been some uh, there's been some building of some walls and things here in the studio to make this a very different experience. I think this is going to be our best. Yeah, looks like to me. Oh, it's going to be amazing. Between the the uh, items that we have and the way this is being set up, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's remarkable. We'd love to see you. Uh, I think on Thursday night, Friday, night, I don't remember which night, but go to mercuryone.org/museum2018. Um, we're all giving private tours. You can come in. I'm going to be here and, you know, meet and greet and the whole weekend. Uh, and you can also have dinner with me. And uh, I don't know if we're offering dinner. I better not say that. I don't know what the whole evening is. I know we're doing a movie 
I think it's on Thursday. Is this it? Let me see what I'm doing. Isn't there a makeout <laughs> session with you, too? There's a, there is. Yeah, yep. yeah. You pay extra mm-hmm. not to make out. Uh, let's see. Uh, it's our uh, Operation Underground Railroad uh, benefiting the Nazarene Fund. Uh, it is a uh, an evening with us from uh, Operation Underground Railroad uh, and me. You can go see the movie. We're gonna. I think we're opening up stage two, hopefully, to uh, see this movie. And I'd love for you to attend that. And there will also be the private tour, I believe, that goes along with it. You can find out all about it at mercuryone.org slash museum 2018. That movie, by the way, is on the history of Operation Underground Railroad, how it started and what's going on. It's really good. It's really, really good. All right. Mr. Pat Gray, what are you outraged about today? I'm (laughs) outraged about the TSA uh, again, still, um, forever. I, I just it's amazing to me how many people are like that eh, you know i'll put up with anything because it's it's about our security yeah i don't think so i really don't i don't buy that uh what they're doing feeling up grandmothers in wheelchairs this latest one is a 96 year old great grandmother wheelchair bound and they messed with her pelvis and chest area for six minutes that's a long time when you're feeling somebody up I mean, you you could at least expect dinner either right. before or afterwards. Especially if you're 96, I don't yeah. think you're used to being touched there <laughs> I ever. Don't think so? And the family's just standing by, thinking, saying, uh, "Is this really necessary?" I mean, you know, the, the problem with this is that while uh, this is happening to this 96 year old great grandmother, there's an Iraqi. With a box cutter screaming Allah Hugh Akbar, just walking right through security and nobody <laughs> pays any attention to it. I think that might be a little exaggeration. <laughs> I don't think it's much <laughs> of an exaggeration. If for some reason a 96-year-old woman in a wheelchair gets onto a plane and blows herself up and takes everybody with her, I'm going to say, okay, you got us. I didn't see that one. <laughs> you got us. Yeah. All right. I, come on. I mean, it's ridiculous. When Where, where is the example of paying such attention. They don't do that. They, they don't use examples. I know, which right. is what we need to be doing. I know, but that's what we won't do because of political correctness. What is profiling, after all? It's it's looking at the people who perpetrated the crime and then giving that general description and saying, we're looking for basically these this kind of person. We already have that because oh, we know who God. committed the crime. Let's look for basically... So that kind of person. So you're looking for the U.S. government and George W. Bush getting on an airplane because he was the one he responsible. Was the one who did I've it. read it on the internet. Let's right. not leave Dick Cheney out. Thank you. Who right. is probably 96 and in a wheelchair right now, <laughs> Mr. Pat Gray. <laughs> not to mention Donald Rumsfeld. Yes. yes. Now, yes. I noticed, uh, If you did you notice this? Uh, that Pat didn't bother to finish the story. Did the grandmother blow the plane up once she, she got out? Not. She did not, because oh. fortunately they paid the close attention to her that they needed to. Oh, okay. they and got the C4 so off. So it worked, yes. is yeah. what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, it worked. Right. Okay. And their, you know, their excuse is, well, we tell them every step of the way. Oh, okay, well, I'm going to grab your man unit now, and I'm going to twist it into knots. Uh, that still doesn't help me. I don't care that you told me you're going to do that, and then you do it. We have to be getting... I, there has to be an intersection between this TSA treatment and the Me Too movement someday. sometime soon, doesn't yeah, it? There has think. to be a woman who's going to claim, hey, like, you I'm being far. felt up here. Yeah. And I you, I mean, because... And it's unacceptable. We're told. Don't you remember there was the female... Who was it? She was in Congress, and she, she complained. No, 
I'm trying to remember. It was either a congresswoman or a woman that complained to their congressperson. And the congressperson said, uh, this is an outrage. And then they had a discussion with the Department of Homeland Security. And then they came out and said, you know what? Oh, that's right. Remember? Yes. And they were yes. like, you know what? Like, now oh, okay, I've started yeah, talking yeah. about there's nothing here to see. It's no big deal. They were outraged. It's because we're lemmings. We're just we're told this is necessary it's a necessary part of our security and we're willing to give up everything for our security in hour two pat i just listened i just uh read um uh, about how men have gone soft how men have given up reason how mm. they just how they're not men anymore they're told exactly what to do and they do it they're told not to think it was from 1787 emmanuel kant and it could have been wow. written today wow and it was, there is no reason. We're not living in the age of reason or enlightenment because nobody's thinking. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and he says the reason, the, the, the enlightenment, the age of enlightenment can be desi- uh, de- defined by men who have the courage to think and act without permission. It's a great definition. That's what we used to be. Yeah. yeah. It's what we used to be. Now yeah. we're all like, I don't know, can we do that? I don't know. What do you mean, can we do that? We better ask Big Brother if that's okay. Right. And that's what we do. We've just we've really been we've really been taught well and we've complied Quickly. well. Yeah. And ever since two thousand one, they've got that vehicle. Well, do you want it to happen again? No, but are these are these measures necessary? For this long, we're still looking for the same thing when it's probably going to be something else. So are you guys familiar with um, uh, the Weinsteins and Evergreen College and what happened to them? No. They're, they're, they're very progressive, very left. Um, uh, they are. Um, uh, he is a professor of evolutionary biology. So there's not a lot in common here. Um, I. I I'm going to call him this week and see if we can get him on the show. I uh, just somebody, a friend of mine just gave me his cell phone number and he reached out right away and said, Hey, call, let's talk. This guy, we don't have a lot in common, except we have a ton in common. And I think he is the best example of what is coming our way. He and his wife, what happened at Evergreen college? Most people just aren't paying attention. They just don't know. He, he and his wife were beloved. They were everybody's favorite teachers. And he's progressive. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was everybody's everybody's favorite professor, okay? Open-minded, everything, you know, he's a lefty. Mm-hmm. He's a lefty. They started, first, they started with this uh, council, and they said, uh, we want all of the, we want all the white people to stay home. No white people can come, and no white people can teach. And he said, okay, well, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. What are you doing? They turned on him and his wife really hard. Um, And then it was really Mm. dicey and got dangerous for them. Then the next step is they had a tribal council. The students did. And they said, here's our canoe agreement. We're all in this canoe together. And they made all these crazy things. And he was sitting in the back and he's like, these are crazy. These are crazy guys. What are you doing? This is not this. This is you're starting to sound like fascists. And 
they said, okay, everybody who's in the canoe come up on the stage. And they had Indian drums beating in the back and they got all these lemmings to get into the canoe with him. He would, he and his wife would not get into the canoe. Wow. He was, he was pulled aside, um, held against his will by students. He was, um, his wife was at home. She had to have police because they were attacking. They held him against his will. They kidnapped him. It's this. It's like they literally they held him. They literally held him against for his crimes, which are not getting into the canoe. Wow. Uh, it, not just getting into the canoe. When you, hear this, to you, right? when you hear this story, it shows, and he and he is now one of the most outspoken people on the left about the left. And he's saying this is this is insane. It's got to stop. This isn't the age of enlightenment. He said, mm-hmm. I believe what I believe, but I'll back it up with science and reason. And I'm not going to jail the people who disagree with me. The school did nothing. It's an incredible story. Does incredible. he still have his job? He has his no. job. Oh, he doesn't. No. Uh-uh. Did he quit or he got fired? He was told he had to comply. And he said, nope. And they fired them both uh, with cause. And so he took them to court. They won two years salary. So he's no longer teaching there. And he's he's he is the one of the leading voices warning academia is out of control. And it's and it, and one of the it was interesting reading all of the reports about it. One of the protesters actually said, looked at one of the teachers who was like, OK, wait a minute, guys, guys, guys. And looked at one of the professors and said, we're just doing what you taught us to do. Wow. How frightening is that? And most of the professors were such lemmings. They were afraid. They said, they're right. The students are right. Let's back up the students. I wish I could say that's unbelievable, but. It's not. It's not. It's not. We see see it heading this direction every day. But that's what's going to happen to Google. The, The social justice warriors are going to destroy Google. They mm-hmm. will destroy it. Have you seen what they're doing now? They're, they're demanding they broke up the... These are the employees broke up the uh, shareholders meeting and said, you know, we demand justice. We demand that you have quotas. We, you know, this is an unsafe workplace because you have too many white men working here. Wow. It's going to start getting crazy. Yeah, well, I think it already started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think you're going to see it more and more, just not on the campuses. You're going to start seeing it more and more in businesses. Thanks, Pat. I put that, I put that story, that whole story in my upcoming book, Addicted to Outrage. <laughs> yeah, just there were, we had too many words in the book. I mean, like over like, I don't know, 40,000 words. And I'm looking at that story, and I'm like, I can't cut a word out of that. It is just it's incredible. so compelling. When you really look at what happened, it is, it's, a, it's crazy. It's crazy. And that, that college is super crazy left wing. Yeah. But uh, that's filtered into many. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know. And it's coming. They're, com- they're leaving college, guys. They're leaving college.
It's not going to be... They'll probably turn conservative, though, once they get out, Oh, right? sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. They'll go back to being rational. Because they're pretty open-minded about conservatism when they Big leave. time. Yeah. That's the one so. thing that's so good. They're big time open. <laughs> uh, they celebrate diversity, uh, you know, right there in the glow of the nice fire where they're burning the books. The name of the uh, upcoming book is uh, Addicted to Outrage. It's available uh, now. You can pre-order it at Amazon. All right, let me tell you about... Um, the Palm Beach letter. These are the people that we called when we were looking for somebody to teach a course really for us. We, I mean, we asked Tika Tawari to come into my office and Stu and I sat there for, I don't know, a couple of hours. And we said, okay, we, we, we understand this level of cryptocurrency, but we don't, uh, we don't understand all the ins and outs. We don't understand which countries are going to block. What do you think is going to happen in the future? Yada, yada. We don't know even how to sell or buy some of these things. So he sat in our office for a couple of hours and about halfway through, I said, would you do this as a course for the audience? And he has 97% of the listeners who now have gone through his cryptocurrency course have given it a four or a five star rating. It's really, really good and very helpful. If you're interested in cryptocurrency at all, you want to know about blockchain, you want to know how this is going to come into play. Um, you know, why, you know, what are the ups and the downs? How do you sell? Why do you sell? Um, if you want to know everything you can about uh, cryptocurrency, I want you to take our smart crypto course at smartcryptocourse.com. That's smartcryptocourse.com or call 877-PBL-BECK. This is the kind of briefing that, that, that I got firsthand and asked him to to do for you it's smartcryptocourse.com 877-PBL-BECK 877-PBL-BECK or smartcryptocourse.com Glenn Beck oh my gosh Robert De Niro at the Tony said I don't really care um let's see what else I don't oh. think there's anything I care less about than Robert De Niro's commentary yep. about politics at the Tony's neither do I uh, there is something that I think is really interesting. And IHOB. Pardon me? Probably just assuming you're going to IHOB here. So uh, I was going to actually... talking about how international. Hang on, just say, I was going to say that, you know, uh, Iran admitted to assisting the 9-11 attackers on the World Trade Center. So people were guessing breakfast, bacon, uh, <laughs> brunch was a guess. I and heard International House of Brunch. This is, is the very first time that they've ever admitted that they were involved at all. And uh, they did so without any, you know, compunction or seeming, you know, like, oh, we shouldn't probably even say this out loud. It's International House of Burgers. And they're not actually changing their name. They're just, they're just, they're, they already had burgers on the menu, and now they're also highlighting their burgers. So which is, it's you, kind of a, you have to, you'd have to ask yourself, which is more concerning? Um, the fact that Iran just higgledy-piggledy came out and said, yep. We helped to be behind all this or the International House of Burgers. And I would have to say it's clear the burger thing. Steakum has also changed its name now to Cakeum. Actually, kind of, I'm interested in the cake. <laughs> I would actually thing. like a thin cake like that that you could like stack on, you know, like you could like kind of stack with like different icings, make a big like layer cake out of the, like a thin layer of cake that you could buy pre-made just stacking on top of each other like with a, different toppings like in between. Like a Napoleon that you can make yourself. Or a Neapolitan? Maybe. No, ne- Nepo- Neapolitan no, is the chocolate, strawberry, and vanilla right. ice cream, right? Uh, okay. Napoleon is a like a cake that is 
is I'm in. Layered. Whatever it is, I'm in. I'm in. I'm Glenn Beck Mercury. 